We all dream of the freedom to do what we want and go where we please. For many of us, freedom meant pedaling your bicycle anywhere in the neighborhood and getting into a little trouble far from the eyes of your parents. Recently, Rad, the pinnacle of all bike riding movies, was officially released for the first time since it debuted on VHS. And in this episode, we'll deep dive into this 80s cult classic. Are you ready to break the ice? Pedal as fast as you can. This is Wayback Attack. Welcome to Wayback Attack. My name is Brian Grantham, and sitting across from me in cyberspace, as always, is Preston Burt. Preston, are you ready to go balls out? <laughs> I am. I learned a tidbit about the movie Rad, and you said it right there. Wow, <laughs> I am ready. And uh, I thought you were going to say break the ice, but I already took that from you in the intro. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, dude, I'm stoked. I've been waiting for this episode for a while because... The announcement of the movie Rad coming to Blu-ray came out months ago. I had a pre-order in, and I've been anxiously waiting, and I knew we'd have to do a great episode about this. So I'm glad. Uh, sorry we're a little delayed on this episode. Um, thanks for everybody. We're a day late, but not a dollar short. <laughs> um, been busy, 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 busy with work, and uh, I know you guys are all doing the same thing too. But hey, it's, it's always great to check in the middle of the week and do this podcast and forget about the worries of the world for a while and have some retro fun. Um, Brian, what have you been up to lately? Uh, let's see. Lately, um, I installed a Plex server uh, because um, I am going to be moving the studio PC. Uh, I, I bought like a really um, nice gaming PC. It was actually the first one that I have bought instead of built myself in quite some time um i was just kind of in love with the case that i saw and figured i uh, might as well just buy the whole pc and i did that at the end of last year uh but um the uh getting it so i'm not using it as much as i wanted to because it's up in the living room and i figured hey why not use that for uh the studio pc um, so I'll use it for gaming and the, the, the computer I have down here that I currently use for gaming, uh, using that for, um, uh, using that for the streaming PC. And so that way I'm moving some things around, getting some things set up. So we'll have a little bit more powerful PC and we can do a little bit more, more crazy things down here. So, um, so the old PC I'm going to be using as a Plex server. So I set that up and, uh, started moving some, some movies over to it, but that's, that's about it for me. What have you been up to? Oh, dude, uh, mostly just work. I'm doing a new detail uh, for for work, and the hours are long, um, and the pace is fast, but there's limited time. Uh, so I, I'm done in July, and then I get to go straight on a beach vacation, so I'm, I'm nice. stoked about that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, you know, uh, the, I'm watching movies. I, I broke down and finally got Disney+. Plus. I finally watched The Mandalorian. <laughs> Uh, I know I'm like three months behind everybody else, but hey, it was good. Shocker. I can't believe you didn't watch it last year. What? The Mandalorian. Whoa, because it came out in, uh, what? It came out in December or something, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it still it still holds up. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
one thing I did do was I received this great package in the mail earlier this week. Um, it had some really cool stuff from Vinegar Syndrome. So Vinegar Syndrome, you know, is a, a movie distributor. They produce uh, a lot of classic retro content like this movie I got called Hobgoblins on Blu-ray. Uh, they have a lot of, you know, horror stuff, a lot of cult stuff. They even have some naughty movies. Um, <laughs> I also got uh, this Spookies uh, LP mm-hmm. on vinyl, uh, the soundtrack. Uh, have you ever seen this movie, Spookies? I've never. I don't even think about. I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. But apparently, it's one of the horror grails for a lot of video collectors. And uh, that they had a Vinegar Syndrome had a halfway to Black Friday sale. And I saw this LP for like 20 bucks or whatever. And the art is crazy. And it's, I checked out the the soundtrack on like Spotify mm-hmm. and it's got, it's just instrumental spooky stuff. And I was like, man, this will be great for Halloween parties or just in the, when I get in the Halloween mood. So I did that. Um, but then I also got in that same package, got the movie rad. It is an amazing, uh, amazing production piece mm-hmm. it is uh has a slip sleeve with two sides one's purple colored pink colored the other is blue and lenticular with uh, that cool scratchy feel to it and then it's a 4k ultra blu-ray um release from the original 35 millimeter i believe and it's just gorgeous now this copy i have is still sealed so i can't open it up but i actually got two and you have one i do that we both watched and shared and mm-hmm. uh, caught up on and looked at the special features and all that kind of stuff and the reason we have two is because after this episode um tomorrow when we post this um live and share the youtube video we'll offer up a link in our social media to offer a giveaway for your for this very copy right here in my hands, of Rad Blu-ray. Um, it costs like, I don't know, a lot, 30 bucks, maybe more. Uh, so this was something that I wanted to do for our listeners. I thought it'd be cool to talk about and, and, and offer up a hot giveaway because this is a limited edition release. Yeah. And who knows when they'll make it again. Yeah, and you know the cool thing about this release is that people have been dying for a digital version of Rad. Uh, it's not streaming anywhere. Um, they've actually done a really good job of anytime it pops up anywhere, they're able to take it down because I think it's BMX Nation, uh, some website. They put it up a lot, uh, or they find it somewhere a lot, and then like the last place they had it was from some streaming Russian site, and it got taken down. Um, but uh, you know people the vhs version of this tape wasn't really a high seller for like people to buy most people rented it a ton or if you like like went to bike shops like like bmx bike shops and stuff like that they would sell them there too um but it wasn't it wasn't easily accessible and so since you can't open yours i'll uh, i have the one that that you and i have both watched and um let's see i will show you uh the part that you you couldn't show so when it opens up you you have a blu-ray a regular blu-ray and then a 4k uh blu-ray and um so you have and that interesting but- interesting enough um the special features we can go through those in a, in a minute but the uh the blu-ray 
has some of the special features and the ultra HD copy has some of the other special features. Oh, but look at that beauty piece right there. Comes with this awesome poster, but even better than that, it comes with hell track, a, uh, artist representation of, of hell track. Uh, and it says art by Earl, Earl Kess. So, uh, not a hundred percent sure who that is, but, um, it's probably important. Yeah. So not only are you getting, not only are you getting a great movie in uh, a high quality release, um, you're also getting those special features, uh, which include, I'll go through the rundown here. Uh, and this is not a paid advertisement, by the way, uh, special features, brand new commentary track with lead actor, Bill Allen, brand new commentary track with actress, Talia Shire and Robert Schwartzman, archival commentary track with Bill Allen, actor, Bart Connor, writer, co-producer, Sam Bernard and various BMX stunt writers. Special features on the Blu-ray only are the Stuntman Directs, an interview with director Hal Needham, writing something rad, an interview with Sam Bernard, Rad 25, the 25th anniversary event, multiple archival interviews with cast and crew, Break the Ice music video, original theatrical trailer, extensive behind-the-scenes still gallery, and um, all that, and a bag of chips, which is the, uh, the poster to be able to hang on your wall. So... This is one of those where you're actually getting what you're paid for. It's not just a, a repackaged Blu-ray release of something you've already seen. This is a long time coming, and they, they Vinegar Syndrome and Utopia Productions really delivered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I was very, very happy with it. Now, I will say there's something with this that, granted, it's been a long time since I've watched a disc, but there's something um, where it has, like, you know, play – special special features and then scenes but then this one has like reels like i assume yes. it's the reels from like the 35 millimeter and it's like oh th this is what was on this reel this is what was on this reel that's what i figured out too um it yeah that was my one complaint is that <laughs> there's not a an easy scene selection mm -hmm. and you have to go by five different reels so mm -hmm. you uh jump pretty far in the action and you got to scroll back so thankfully the xbox that i was watching i had a little little preview uh wheel down there so but other than that can't complain at all um so i know we're going to talk about rad mm -hmm. and i can't wait to get to that but before we do we got to reminisce you know we, we always talk about something that's in the current time and we go back and talk about a little bit of nostalgia so let's talk a little bit about nostalgia for bmx brian what kind of memories do you have going back talking about BMX. So my so so the first bike that I had, um, I cannot remember exactly what model it was. It was like a little red Huffy bike, uh, BMX bike, um, and I love that thing, man. I used to to ride all over the place, and it's funny because I was thinking about it today when I was eating dinner with uh, my kids, and I was like, uh, my oldest daughter's in uh, third grade and going into fourth now, and I was thinking about it. I was like, man, when I was hurt, like when I was like my youngest daughter, who's two years younger than her, when I was her age, I was riding that bike all over the place. Like I wasn't just in my neighborhood. Like I was going out to other places also. And so, um, it's just crazy to me to think about being that age and just having that, um, the ability just to get up and go out and explore the world and that kind of thing. Uh, and you know, my kids, they both ride bikes and they, they, neither of them are on training wheels anymore. Um, but like they can't leave the cul-de-sac cul at their mom's house, you know? And so it's just a very different <laughs> yeah. world from, from the, uh, the world that I lived in. And 
the cool thing too is like I had an older cousin that was he was really into skating and and BMX stuff, and he actually built a half pipe in his backyard. Uh, and so like uh, any time that I went over to his house and that kind of thing, uh, it was cool to like mess around on that half pipe. So. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't ever have anything that fancy. We just had um, some two by fours, and we throw a sheet of plywood on them mm-hmm. <laughs> and do a little yeah. ramp action. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned having the the freedom that we did back then. I think about my kids too, um, and, and their limited access. This one, I mean, my intro, I talked about having freedom uh, to ride around the neighborhood anywhere you want, and that was true for me. Um, not when I was super young, you know, like when I was pre 10 years old, I definitely could ride around in the neighborhood. Right. But man, once I was like 12, I could take that bike and ride it anywhere in town. I could ride miles away across a highway. I could go to the Walmart. I could go to the card shop. I, I mean, like I'm talking, you know, a pretty good distance as long as my mom knew where I was. But yeah that's how we functioned. We were able to, our, our neighborhood was huge, but it actually popped out in two different sides. And mm-hmm. one side had our, um, our corner store for junk food and snack food and also our arcade. And then the other end of the whole subdivision that connected with another subdivision. Um, that was where you popped out and you were at Mazio's pizza and the bowling alley. So, I mean, I lived over doing that kind of stuff, but then even just going further, going further, do you remember your first bicycle? The I, I wish I had a picture of it, but the, the only thing I can remember is that it was like a black and red Huffy. And I tried looking it up, and I think it was like, it looked like the, uh, it was like, I don't even remember what it was called. But um, but I, I wish I had a picture, but I don't. Yeah. What about you? So uh, I don't remember my very first bicycle. I'm sure it was something with training wheels, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first bike I remember is actually a BMX bike. And I, I don't know if you have it pulled up, but I put it in the notes. Um, this is not my personal actual bike, but this is what I had. It was a, a Schwinn Predator. I don't remember mine having this checkered board pattern if you're if you're watching the video um, or a stream on Twitch. Um, we're showing a picture of it. I don't have the the checkerboard pattern. It was solid red, but and I didn't have the I don't think I had the little number plate. But what I do remember, I remember that hard butt seat that was red. <laughs> uh-huh. I remember the, the red grip handlebars and mine had kind of, um, I remember they had little spherical indentations on the underside. So you can like grab, grab your fingernails up in there. Um, mm-hmm. but it wasn't textured all over, mm-hmm. it, but, um, and then I definitely remember those pedals yeah that had spikes all over them because when you when you hit them just wrong your ankles and shins were torn (laughs) up so i probably had that bike when i was about uh eight or nine Mm -hmm. and i don't remember i don't remember if it was brand new i don't remember if it was used um i don't remember when i got it but i know i had it and it was it was fun yeah the um on on my huffy like i i specifically remember the night that we took my training wheels off and like uh my my stepdad was like okay and he must have like given me a push or something to like to get my balance going and because he pushed me like i lost my balance and we um if 
I, I put my birthday video up and it was on that street. It was, it was like right around that same time and, um, on my YouTube. And like, like if you, if there's points where you can see what I'm talking about, like across the street diagonally from, from my, my front yard is like the street sign and right behind it, like mailboxes. And I just went straight and the, um, just like yours had like the, the soft padding across the the top bar in between the handlebars, like mm-hmm. I nailed a street sign, and like there was like a sli- <laughs> like a slice in mine forever because it, it busted open that that thing. But I was fine. But I specifically remember the fear of no no training wheels and being pushed on a bike. So it's so funny. This wasn't um, my story right now. Isn't when I got my training wheels removed, but mm-hmm. apparently when I guess when I moved from Mississippi, sorry, when I moved from Illinois to Mississippi. Uh, I guess my bike didn't make the trip. I don't know. We got rid of it. Garage sale. I don't know. Um, and so I remember Christmas Day, uh, early 90s, when I got a new bike. And it was a, it was a Huffy. And it was kind of like in between a BMX and a mountain bike. Mm-hmm. And it had like some gears and stuff. And I was so excited. And my grandmother, her house, her driveway was at a, a pretty steep um, decline, but it wasn't that long. But anyway, my previous bike was a BMX and it didn't even have, I think it was a, a single speed. So it didn't even have a, uh, a handlebar brake system. Right. It just had you where you backpedal, right? It was a fixed wheel, fixed wheel. That's what you call it. Thanks, Brian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this one though, it was gears and it had a handbrake. And so I set it up. Re- Christmas day, top of the driveway, started getting a little steam going downhill, a little too much steam, put on the brake, which happened to be for the front wheel. And before I even hit the street, (laughs) I had head over heels, flipped my bike and crashed on top of me and was injured with scabs uh, and scraped knees and stuff. So not a great start to that bike, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but definitely memorable. You're supposed to like when you do that. You're supposed to like hop on the front wheel and then whip, do a tail whip to to like land. That's that's how you impress. Well, people. that's what I learned from watching this movie, Rad. <laughs> but well, um, any other memories of childhood bike riding? I will say something that I did uh-huh. um, that I have Rad to thank for because of this episode. <laughs> you won't believe this. It's so stupid, uh, folks. I am 39 years old. I'm about to turn 40 years old. And until I did research for this movie, I did not realize that BMX <laughs> was not a brand. It stands for Bicycle Motocross. Yeah. I did not know that. I learned that uh, just this week. And I so like I knew that there was other bike brands. Like you could have a BMX bike that was a mongoose. Yeah, could have a BMX bike that was a GT or even the Schwinn Predator, like I had. But I thought it was still BMX. And I thought it was like, you know, how Band-Aid or Kleenex just becomes <laughs> synonymous with a type. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. That's what I thought it was. I thought it was a brand that became synonymous with the whole genre. Right. But man, was I wrong? You don't feel bad. Uh, I just never thought about what BMX meant. And then when I was watching Rad, I was like, oh, because motocross, like you don't think of like. Like I had a dirt bike, right? Grow like when I was like in seventh, seventh grade, sixth grade, something like that. And so, um, it like a bicycle being motocross never crossed my mind. And so like mm-hmm. like it, it, you know bicycle motocross 
is a weird thing to think of. I, I just always assume like, you know, BMX BMXing was something like saying like I'm going skating and you know, I'm going BMXing and stuff <laughs> like that. So, well, um, we're definitely going to be going BMXing, and let's go ahead and get into the movie. Talk a little bit about Rad. His name is Crew. Hey, good looking. BMX is his world. Rad is his way of life. The world would be a lot better off without him. We're here for the biggest and most important bicycle motocross event ever held, Helltrack. This is a very important race. The very finest riders in the country are here riding for some $100,000. Helltrack in this big town. They've got to be kidding. This is a joke. I really think I can get this one. I think I've got a chance. I don't want to hear any more about it. Everyone's on his case. Get that. The paperboy thinks he's a pro. He's nothing next to Bart Taylor. He's got the style. There's something about the way you ride so naturally. And he's going to prove it. All right. So that's a little bit of the trailer for Rad. And uh, I were you f- that familiar with this movie before before you bought it? So it's crazy. This has been one that has been a part of my childhood, uh-huh. but it was never something that I watched religiously. Like my friends had it and I would see it at their houses sometimes and it would come up in conversations and I always knew it was like the cool video to have. It was like mm-hmm. some sort of street cred to to be a fan of this movie. Right. But I <laughs> I never owned the movie. I don't know that I ever actually rented the movie myself. It was just in the periphery the whole time. Yeah. For you? for for me, so like that that cousin that I had that was really into to all this stuff. I think he had it um you know to me like so i had i had never seen it but uh it's always been in that same place as like gleaming the cube and stuff like that like it's like a cultural touch touchstone but it's something Mm -hmm. that i have always i've always missed out on or just never taken the time to to watch myself so so was this the first time you watched it it was wow all right that's cool (laughs) man well i liked um, it i thought it was great (laughs) (laughs) all right uh, before we go into it further, I'm just going to read directly from the back here, the description. So, you know, I always try to be co- conscious of people who may not be familiar with what we're talking about, listening to the podcast so they can learn something new. So here is the description of rad from the back of the, from the back of the, the Blu-ray crew Jones is the fastest and most talented BMX rider in a small logging town. When Duke best owner of mongoose bicycles holds decides to hold the competition at a nearly impossible to compete BMX racing course named Hell Track. Crew decides that it's his destiny to complete compete in the race, which offers a winning cash prize of $100,000. But unknown to Crew, Duke has concocted the race as a publicity stunt to promote his own top rider, Bart Taylor, and begins to do everything in his power to prevent Crew from being able to enter into the competition. To make matters even more complicated, Crew soon learns, soon learns that the race is scheduled the same days he's supposed to take the SATs and finds himself with a choice between his future in college and a race where all the odds are stacked against him. Wow. We're talking high stakes here. $100,000 or SATs. I mean, these, this is real world problems. This is, uh, this is stuff that people identified with back in the 80s, I can tell you for sure. It's so funny, too, because, uh, you know, 
his mom, of course, wants him to go uh, to college. It's as she says in the movie, this has always been the plan, you know, uh, because that that was the plan back then was like everybody had to go to college. So uh, but it's funny because uh, the solution is very simple. I can just take them in six months. <laughs> like it's, it's, really it's not that big of a deal uh, but right. i will say like the people the the people that work for me um i have i have people like in college that work for me and a lot of times they're gonna be like yeah i'm gonna i'm just gonna take some time off of college and i'm like don't do that listen do not do that you're never gonna go back you gotta you just once you're in you stay in or else you're never gonna finish because so many people that i know like that take that time off they just never go back so well yeah and you know i I see the solution to as just delaying his college experience, but I get it because I remember there was some sort of urgency with which I wanted to complete college. I felt like I had to continue that momentum of going from high school directly into college and I had to finish in four years and uh, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, you, you forget the pressures that were there, but that's what one of the parts of this movie that makes it so great and so wholesome is like, it was authentic mm-hmm. to teenagers at the time. Right. I mean, granted, it was an elaborate, you know, thing that probably would never have happened. But like f- painting the picture of kids in that town with not really a whole lot of opportunities um, and worrying about the SATs is like the biggest thing uh, and getting his paper route on time is like the biggest thing. Th- that was pretty authentic to the experience back then, I can imagine. So oh, yeah. I liked it. Mm hmm. All right, so uh, a little bit of history facts about the movie. It was released in March of uh, 1986, March 28th. It had a budget of $3 million, and it grossed a whopping $2 million. (laughs) So it was a critical flop as well. Not only a financial flop, but critical as well. It um, had, like, no positive reviews, um, I don't know if it's still the case. I'll have to look up in a minute. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes score. It's what the statistic I read was that it was one of the most lopsided uh, scores, where the critic rating was something like eleven percent, and the audience rating was ninety in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's beloved by a lot of people, even though it wasn't um, beloved upon uh its theatrical release i I got it for you right here so the audience score for rad on tomato or on rotten tomatoes is a 90 percent. the tomato meter is only 17 percent. so i the the thing the issue with it though is that there's only six critics that have uh that have chimed in so oh that's lame i thought it was going off like historical stuff from like roger ebert who panned it. it I don't have the quote, but on the Wikipedia page, it lists some of Ebert's quotes, and it was not kind. Uh, but um, one thing, one reason why it does have such a high score is I learned that it was uh, one of the top 10 VH re- VHS rentals for two years after it debuted in video stores. So it got that word of mouth thing going and it got popularity on home release because i don't you know obviously i was young at the time but i don't Mm -hmm. remember ever seeing any sort of movie posters or i don't remember it being in the theaters where i was at all and i would i mean my mom loved taking me to the movies so i would i might have seen it well you know the thing with the thing with rad was that it was a bmx movie right and so bmx when this movie came out in 86 
you know, B, BMX has technically, whoop, has technically been around for a long time, uh, but um, it was still fairly young. You know, like nowadays it's an Olympic sport, but back then it was it was still kind of in its infancy. So it, it took, it probably took a while for that kind of stuff to catch on. Totally. Uh, Brian and I watched a little brief documentary about the history of BMX in preparation for the show. And, and uh, I was surprised to learn that it actually had an international origin um, in the Mm fifties, even though most places you look uh, talks about it being in California in the seventies. And I think that's where the American experience definitely started and where it gained its momentum and its popularity. But -hmm. it's been around for a while, people and kids mimicking those motorbikes, the motocross with just regular bicycles. And that's how it started. But um, yeah, I, the documentary also mentioned like 86 was kind of at the end of its peak. Right. And then it started its decline until its revitalization um, later on because of the X games and the Olympic sports. So this movie may, maybe if this movie was released a couple years earlier, maybe it would have been in right in the zeitgeist instead of mm-hmm. the very tail end of it. But so as Brian mentioned, the top of the show getting me all riled up with his, uh, welcome question <laughs> is the movie was originally named balls out. I don't know how true that is, but that's the uh, IMDb page trivia for you. Well, some, someone you says that in the source? special features. Yeah, someone says oh, okay. it in the special features. So. Good. All right. Verified. <laughs> and um, movie was shot in Cochrane, Alberta, Canada. And in the special features, they go back there for the 25th anniversary, and you can see what it looks like now. It's pretty cool. Um, the movie was directed by Hal Needham. And I got to tell you, his special feature interview is one of my favorite. Did you watch that one at all? <laughs> I did. Yeah. It, and it's, it's so funny to like see him talk and like the way he looks and, and carries himself. It's so easy to understand why he was Burt Reynolds stunt double. <laughs> so, yep. So this watching, you know, a lot of times I'll watch directors commentary or, or interviews and uh, most of them are, are neat to learn some behind the scenes stuff, but learning this guy's story, you know, when, when I first watched the, when I first watched the Blu-ray and I saw special features director Hal Needham, that name meant nothing to me. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on to talk about it and you're like, Oh my gosh, this guy is so cool. <laughs> so this guy, Hal Needham, he, um, after high school or after school, he was a lumberjack doing all the dangerous felling of trees in the wild. It's the number then one most dangerous mil- job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> then he joined the military and, started doing stunt stunt work on planes. And then when he got out of that, he came to California and started doing stunt work in the movie industry. And I looked at his IMDb page. I don't know if his credit list as as long as he claims it to be, but he claimed he was in something like 300 movies and 4,000 TV episodes doing stunt work or stunt choreography or something. So that's pretty good. And then what lead, leading to what Brian said, he became the stunt double for Burt Reynolds. And because of his connection to Burt Reynolds, he was able to show him the script for uh, for Rad, which he co-wrote. And Burt said that if he can get the financing, he'd star in the movie. And what's funny is by him saying that, that pretty much guaranteed that they could get the financing because he was the biggest movie star of all time. So... 
uh, he had directed uh, Smoking the Bandit. He directed Cannonball Run. And then he was able to use that influence to be able to uh, direct Rad, which we have. All right. So who, where, where does the story for Rad come from? Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's personally taking credit for it uh, or not, but uh, on the special features, Eddie Fiola, uh, one of the BMX writers who did the stunt work for, um, for Bill Allen's character crew, he claims it's loosely based on his life. Mm. Um, but I don't know if he maybe is just projecting. <laughs> well, he, so he says that they talked to him like a year before they made the movie. Like it was Hal Needham and, uh, the, the other person that wrote it. I don't remember his name, but, uh, they talked to him for a while and it was about a year before they started making the movie. And then, and then right afterwards he, uh, they reached out to him and said, Hey, do you want to be in this movie we're making? And then he read the script and was like, this is like, he, he, he says, I'm not going to say it's based off of me, but like my life and this movie are, are like parallels. So, so speaking of stunt writers and people in the movie, let's talk a little bit about the, the cast of the movie. All right. So we're going to run it down with, with some of the main players here. Top billing order is Bill Allen who plays crew. Have you seen this guy in anything before? <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't. Bill Allen, you're great. I know people love you. I, I'm not familiar with your work, um, but you were great in this movie. So yeah. uh, kudos. It's funny, too, because um, pretty much everybody in the special features, this is how Hal Needham cast his movies. He goes, hmm, I like this person. You're hired. <laughs> like, because he was watching like an episode of like 21 Jump Street or something. And Bill Allen was in it. And he was like. That boy looks like an all-American boy. He, I want him in my movie. And then, like, there's somebody else. And they, he's like, oh, the Bart. He was like, yeah. And so he talked to me. He came over to my house and talked to me for, like, half an hour. I was like, so I want you to be in my movie. And this is like, he was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no you guys really got to really seek out Hal Needham. Rest in peace. Uh, because he, he is a straight shooter. And uh, he's really funny. But, yeah, uh, next down the list, Lori Lachlan. Mm-hmm. from uh, Full House, Aunt mm-hmm. Becky, right? And she's in the news lately, not for great <laughs> reasons. We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but uh, she played uh, the character Christian as one of the BMX riders that come to town. Now, I thought it was a little convenient that in the movie she didn't compete. She was mm-hmm. just there for exhibition. It's because she wasn't um, pro. Oh, well, she was acting pretty pro in that dancing scene, which we'll yeah. get to. But they they explain she she's an amateur. She's like a top level amateur. She's like right underneath pro, and so she was be she was being given an award for for it at at the whole at the okay. Track. All right. Oh, so she couldn't compete because she wasn't local, right? right. Mm-hmm. So, yep. okay. So point of order, at the competition that they bring to this thing. As an incentive for the, coming to the town, they allow the locals to mm-hmm. qualify. Um, and so she wasn't one of the locals, so she didn't get the opportunity to qualify to right. participate with all of the super-duper professional athletes. Uh, next down the list, Talia Shire playing Cruz Mom. Now, did you recognize the name Talia Shire? You know her? Uh, no. Um, I, I, she looked familiar, but I, I couldn't place her. She played Adrian 
in the Rocky movies. And um, she's also the mom of Jason Schwartzman, the actor. Oh, from, really? Um, yeah, from Rushmore <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, all those other movies. And I think if you look, I think, uh, I forget his name. Let me see. It's on here. Produced by executive producer Jack Schwartzman. Mm-hmm. So I think that's um, Talia Shire's husband, and that's kind of why she was involved with this. Yeah, they I'm, said that. I don't when, know for sure, but I think so. Yeah, they, they in the special features they said that uh, they had they brought them over. They brought Hal and the other writer over for dinner one night to like pitch them the movie, and they said they would only do it if she could be in it. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, so uh, she's in the movie. She's not in it very much though. So no. She had a very limited limited screen time. Um, next up, Ray Walston. Does that name ring a bell for you? <laughs> I am horrible with names, so even even if it was someone like he he looks familiar, and I was like, I like that old man, but I'm really bad with names. So okay, so you probably recognize him because he was the um the teacher in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, mm-hmm. with uh, Sean Penn, and they butted heads in that movie. Um, he was also in a '60s TV show, starred my favorite Martian. So that's what he got his uh, big breaks in. Yeah. What's funny about him is that every time I see Ray Walston in movies, I think when I was a kid, I thought it was Mr. Wizard. (laughs) Check out this side-by-side comparison. Now, when you're looking straight on, he doesn't really look like Mr. Wizard. But if you're a kid, they have some similarities, right? You see Mr. Wizard on your Nickelodeon one morning, and then you see that guy in a movie, and you're like, oh, wow. Mr. Wizard gets around. Yeah, and and Ray Walson was typically like a bad guy, and Mr. Wizard was a jerk to kids. <laughs> so... <laughs> he was. Isn't there a video of a compilation of Mr. Wizard being a jerk to kids? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I gotta I gotta watch that. It's so great, it's so great. Um, we got Jack Weston, who played Duke Best. He was kind of the villain of the movie. Um, Ray Walston was also kind of a villain, but he. He turned a corner there at the end. Spoiler alert on this 35-plus-year-old movie. Um, Jack Weston, the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, why does that guy look so familiar? Like, I didn't – this his name didn't recognize – I didn't recognize his name at all. And only in my research did it con- did it connect why I recognized him. And that's because he played Oscar in Short Circuit 2, the main bad guy, the one who turns on Johnny Five. And then they have to go through that big chase scene with – um. I need a hero playing in the background. <laughs> so uh, that's you can picture that in your head when you think of Duke Best from Rad. What's next, Brian? All right. Well, next we have the uh, – you know what? We'll just say like he's like the child-level villain because there's multiple villains in this movie. Um, yeah. But, you know, he also turns a corner uh, in the movie as well. So we have some character growth. But we have Bart Connor – um and what was his last name in the movie? His first name is Bart in the movie, but uh he um, no. oh gosh, what was it? He uh, uh Bart Taylor. Yes, Bart Taylor. And so <laughs> he it's so funny because he looks kind of like the bat like uh the bad guy from Karate Kid. Like and it's all like when I was watching it I was like, "Man, I wonder if I go back and watch a bunch of old 80s movies if they're all going to look like like uh, all the bad guys are all going to look the same." But 
in real life, he's not a bad guy. He does a really good job portraying one. In real life, he is a gold medalist. Now, Peter Bittmer has just concluded the floor exercise with a nice 9-8. Part going last being this is about his best event. Full end back, double back with a full twist, and you can see he just nailed that landing. Bart is so smooth and so technically correct on this event. It's just really nice to watch him. Round off of that can spring, double pike, another nailed landing. Split. That's all I'm gonna make you watch. I love gymnastics. <laughs> I don't remember so when I did gymnastics, I didn't wear shoes like he did. So I, I don't remember people ever wearing shoes. But I will say the um, the thing with uh, with him is in one of the interviews that they did for the like in the special features, he talks about having a perfect ten. And this was like I think that that video was the his gold medal winning floor routine. No. And no. Okay, good. I was going to say, because he has some mistakes in that video, and so th there's no way it was a perfect 10. Uh, so point of order, he won two gold medals in the 1984 U.S. Olympics in Los Angeles. He won for um, a, the team, mm -hmm. so the collective team uh, medal, right. and he won for the parallel bars. Oh, okay. And the parallel bars, he scored a perfect 10 and invented a move uh, called the the Connor spin, I think mm. is what it's called. Um, it's pretty impressive, but yeah, I'm so glad I watched the special features because if you just go on IMDb and you're like, what's this guy in? And you look at his, his credits, you're like, <laughs> huh? Oh, who's this guy? And then you watch the special features and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. You know, I get more recognition from rad, but I did win two gold medals <laughs> in the Olympics. <laughs> and, um, also interesting, his uh, his wife uh, is Nadia Comaneci. Mm -hmm. She was a very famous gymnast that my wife, I was telling her about him married to her. And she's like, I loved her as a kid. I loved growing up and watching her. So she's actually more famous than he is and has nine Olympic gold medals. And they're married. And um, yeah, so you. what's great about him is in looking up stuff for him, he's done some interviews recently and – um, he did some stuff for the Olympics. They work with Special Olympics. So this guy is, uh, he played a kind of a douche in this movie, but he <laughs> seems to be like a really, really stand-up guy. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's quite skilled beyond just his acting ability. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, his, in this movie, he had two lackeys. Uh, they were Rod and Rex. Uh, they were twins, and they were played by actual real-life twins. It wasn't like a Haley Mills and Haley Mills. Uh, by Chad and Carrie W. Hayes. Uh, and they are uh, known for writing um, a scary movie. We write horror movies because we love roller coaster rides, and it's as close to a roller coaster ride as you can get. You just you hop on that thing, you go, tick, 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 and you just know you're in for a that really big drop's great, coming. great scare, but you don't know which way you're gonna go. And those are to us, those are good horror movies. In the Conjuring, we had to fill up the artifact room with all kinds of stuff, and the production designer was like, "Well, what are the, what's it all look like?" Karen and I'd go out on the street and hit all the shops, and we use our OneNote uh, for a lot of different things. And, and it, it's yeah, so, so funny 
because they look exactly the same as uh as they did in the movie just minus the mullets uh, i don't think they had mullets i gotta say those guys were perfectly cast i i think hal again did a great job of just like they have the look mm-hmm. like they looked like um very vain and very arrogant um 80s bullies um and if you haven't seen this movie I would say that they look like Eric Bischoff from WCW. (laughs) Does don't they? Yeah, they do exactly like him. Yeah. So um, we've gone through the cast, but uh, we want to start talking a little bit about some of our favorite parts of the movie. And I thought it'd be a perfect segue to talk about one of my favorite parts, which deals directly with those two twins. So throw up their outfits in this movie. (laughs) I mean, this movie's eighties, but what's great is they're twins and I, I'm hard, you know, I'm thinking, are these guys Tomax and Zaymot from GI Joe? Cause they're dressing exactly alike, looking like supervillains and are, you know, you know, easy on the eyes in doing some research for the movie. This, these particular pair of outfits that we're talking about with the very wide shoulder um, and almost militaristic look, those, they look- I was, they look like Star Trek uniforms. Well, if you I, again, I I haven't verified beyond the um, trivia in IMDb, but apparently those were used previously in the V television series. Oh, or the I like movie. How, I like how they have their names embroidered uh, on their chest. Also, <laughs> it was it was They're, such. Was they so they may be my favorite part of this movie. Like they're not necessary. Like you don't have to have them. Like. Why are they twins? I mean, like, you could have just had some other two lackeys, but the fact that they're twins and pretty boys and dressed the same, I mean, it's fascinating to me. Fascinating. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so go ahead. I was going to say, you know, that that meme, the uh, this is what I'm going to tell my kids that blank, like, I'm going to show my kids this tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, yeah, this was totally how everybody dressed in the 80s. Yeah, this was this was standard prom attire. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then um, just like we mentioned, they they did some they did work more in Hollywood, uh, doing some more acting, but very limited acting after this. Um, they started transitioning to writing and producing as a duo. They um, directed and produced the um, the Beastmaster television series mm-hmm. that was on USA, right? I think they so. did that. Some episodes of Baywatch, a whole bunch of stuff, and then they got really successful with these movies: The Conjuring, The Turning. Um, a producer credit on Annabelle, so they uh, they found a second wave of success for sure. Mm-hmm. But they had a lot going for them with those suits. So yeah, those were some classy, classy suits. Uh, well, those those suits that you're talking about, you know, they were wearing them at the um, high school dance. I don't think it was technically a prom. It may have been. No, I think it was like a. I think it was just like a community dance. Okay. Uh, so, um. While while everyone is inside dancing, those some of the um, basically what happens in the movie is they go out start dancing, and then Bart and his girl go out and start dancing. And while this is all happening, um, crew is outside doing some uh, some freestyle. Uh, and then um, Christian shows up and like jumps over his bike. She rides rides into the uh, and onto the dance floor and tells him to come with her. 
and uh, we get to see some amazing freestyle stuff. So this is actually one of the most favorite parts, uh, one of my personal favorite parts of this movie. I've always, I always like freestyle stuff. So like when you have like being able to watch, like when it comes to skateboarding, watching Rodney Mullen on a skateboard, just like on some flat land and just going to town. Uh, so this part right here, oh, good. Were you gonna say so something? the yeah, this this is everybody's favorite part, I think, because, <laughs> because um, yeah, the races are exciting, but this is so amazing to watch, like just freestyle, but also so incredibly cheesy. Yeah, I mean, like the fact that they would actually do this in a real life setting. And then the the fact that when they do a close-ups of the actors, they're just like gliding, obviously on a <laughs> on a fixed track. Um, it's so great. But also the song that's playing in the background, crank it up for just a second so we don't get the YouTube copyright. But let let some folks hear that. Oh wait, okay. wait. After these guys talk. But um, send me an angel is playing in the background by Real Life, and it's definitely a song that is not on any top ten playlist. That song is so good. Now yeah. I'm going to bring Greg down a little bit. Yeah, but it's one of those ones. There are, there are actually several in, in this in this movie that we'll talk about, but it's one of those ones where it was not in any top 10 single chart, but it was right. really, really good. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> the uh, thing with this is uh, I think they did a really good job of, of – when you don't see their faces, I think it's not obvious that it's not them. And so uh, I think I think they did a pretty good job with the camera angles and, and that kind of thing for. Yeah, for they really stuff. did. They really did. Um, I uh, I also loved in the special features. Did you watch the 25th anniversary get together thing? Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> so I loved uh, at the very end of that segment they kind of recreated this where two of the BMX performers were doing freestyle moves with the song playing in the background. Yes. And on a stage. it was, it was, it was perfect and it was hilarious, but also legitimately a couple of the moves at the end mesmerized me. There's one move. You got to watch this DVD for it. Uh, the Blu-ray for it is the guy like got off on the side of his bike while mm -hmm. going backwards and then moonwalked yep. with yep. the bike in motion unbelievable yeah it was it was very cool it's it's so neat to me because like when like the pegs like on my friends and my bikes when we were kids we had like big fat pegs that you could like grind on stuff with and it's crazy to watch these guys do tricks on their bikes with like like these really small thin pegs that they have and the pegs aren't in the same spot they're like higher up on on the um on that shaft for the front front tire so uh but yeah that that moonwalk was awesome yeah, yeah. That that moonwalk's worth the price of this whole DVD set. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um Brian covered one of the the one of the big key uh uh appeal uh, what am I talking about? One of the best scenes of the movie. And I'm going to the one of the most obscure. So, uh <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the burger joint that crew works in. Did anything stick out to you about this place? Uh 
no, not necessarily. Like I think that um, I I think that it looks like a burger joint that you would see in the town that I live in. So, well, so what's crazy about this? And there's a couple of different shots here, but um, I love watching '80s movies to look at these, you know, pieces of landscape that you just don't see anymore, really, that are so hometown and. And not only dated, but like they're just so authentic. Like, I bet that this wasn't even <laughs> a set. Oh, no. I, I bet that this already existed and they're just like, use it. And, you know, this is just some haphazard slapped together burger joint in some town. And nowadays, you know, everything's so manufactured or like designed to look shabby chic and just inauthentic mm-hmm. that. Like something like this with just like, let's put together whatever we have, however we can do it. It, uh, I loved, I loved the way that it looked. And, and I use this as a, I use this specific example as a broader appeal for the whole film. They filmed it in Canada and everything just looks totally eighties. It's, uh, it's very hometown. I love it. I like that this like burger shack has like, 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 Asian fans on the wall. <laughs> like, it's very, it like, did it used to be people. a Mexican restaurant or a pizza parlor? What's going on? I don't know. I, I have no idea. <laughs> yep. And, uh, it's a, it's also like a community, uh, a community gathering point. They all rally around crew in this spot. And it's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. It looks like you could get a, a solid $5 meal there with burgers, fries, and a Coke, you know? Oh, yeah. I bet they use those wax cups with the coca-cola on them Uh they totally do that i hated those so yeah this whole movie had a whole bunch of just great great sets and scenes that they just found in that town and 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 used to to great advantage well so what's your next pick you talked about how that that burger joint is just very 80s the next thing that i'm going to talk about is actually um also very 80s so every great coming of age movie or like gosh i need to work really hard to accomplish this task features a uh, a montage of some sorts so let's check it out so this montage here had my the thing that i want to talk about is thunder in your heart by john farnham so this montage has an amazing song and I'm going to bring it up just a little bit when he starts singing just so you can hear how amazing this is alright that's all I'm going to give you if you want to hear the rest you've got to <laughs> you have to watch uh, the movie so um, yeah. but when I was when I was hearing it I was like man this is so great this is like this has like a little bit of like the touch in it you know and everything like that and so um so i was like thinking about that and i was like man this this sounds i wonder like like i gotta look up this guy and see what the deal is with this song and so john um, farnham man yeah this is john farnham so apparently the cool thing about uh the touch is um that 
it was in the past couple years. I don't remember exactly what year it was. Um, but Stan Bush, who sang The Touch, covered this song on one of his albums. And oh, no way. Yeah, it is a very cool. It, it's very similar to this, but it's, it, you know, he puts his own touch on it. Um, and uh, apparently you can find it. Everyone online says it's not available on YouTube, but there is there is a, a, a recording of it on YouTube. But Joe Esposito also recorded the same song but he recorded it first and so if you don't know that guy he's the one that wrote uh, you're the best um and for karate kid from karate kid yeah yeah and so what happened is this song was actually going to be the song that played during that scene when you're the best around plays and and so he recorded that and then when and then he also recorded the best and they decided to go with you're the best and they never they never did anything else with this other recording uh, so um, the person that wrote the song uh, wrote wrote it for that, but he was also like he also wrote songs for um, John Farnham, and so he had him do do a performance of this and record it uh, for this movie. So um, you have like three of like the most like. 80s montage music uh guys all have their hands all over the song so i thought the it was powerhouse amazing. trio you know? <laughs> that's great um now the the scene that you brought up for the movie that it went along with mm-hmm. was that big race at the end the qualifying race and they're going all through you know different mountain trails and all over the thing it, this is before the hell track right and what what i wonder is like did you notice how many times he went out of the bounds? Like, yes. how is that legal? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. what? Can you just do that in a race? Is that a BMX <laughs> thing that I don't know about? Like, you can just go wherever you want and cut corners and still qualify. It, it was very upsetting to me. <laughs> he was the hometown hero, man. <laughs> what we learned Apparently. there is that uh, you know it's okay to cut corners as long as you win. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> a great lesson great he didn't even come in first youth. he only came in second for those qualifying races so yeah what a crap that sucks <laughs> well you, you know he had to he couldn't top out there and just mm-hmm. stay number one he has to he has to work toward you know you got to set a got to set a standard yeah so well you know you pick some of the the biggest and most <laughs> visual moments of the movie and the longest lasting and i pick the most esoteric and random so uh, my next pick for favorite thing that I saw in the movie was dealing with the background. So uh, towards the, the the final third of the movie where crew has to question whether he's actually going to be able to um, meet the qualifying standards set forth by the bad guy, they go into a convenience <laughs> store and in the back of the convenience store shot, they have this massive shelf of comic books. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful sight to behold and a perfect snapshot of 80s comics. So in the background, these are the comic books that you see on the shelf. There's a, they're, uh, on the rack. There are a ton of them. We won't go through everyone, but, but Avengers, Alpha Flight, Moon Knight, um, G.I. Joe, Sergeant Rock, Star Wars, Iron Fist and Power Man, Rom, Space Knight, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man. Um, this was some of the best 80s comics that there ever were. Mm-hmm. Did you see any that you collected back in the day, Brian? I'm pretty sure I had that G- that specific G.I. Joe issue. Uh, oh, cool. The, the, man, the G.I. Joe comics were the best because the Joes died in them. 
And so like you never, knew, you never knew what was going to happen in those comics. No, for sure. Yeah, the, the issue number 92 where the Saw Viper just mowed down Doc and Quick Kit, man, mm-hmm. it messed me up for life. <laughs> but but no, I, I love this. And the reason I picked this out was because not only is this just generally cool, but it kind of speaks to what I what I look at in movies that I've seen a bunch now, mm-hmm. um, and especially older movies, is like, yeah, the movie's fun to watch, but I love finding those little almost Easter eggs now because when you when the movies came out back in the day, they were just background noise. Like it it was nothing to be noticed at all. But now that it's been so long and it's such a, a you know a fond memory from childhood. When I watch movies from the eighties, I look in the background to see if I can spot like cereal boxes on the shelf Mm -hmm. or certain candies or toys, you know, in, in different bedrooms or, or whatever. And to be able to see just that giant wall of comic books, man, it, it was really, really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's cool because it gives you like a snapshot of the time or whatever. Uh, so real Real quick, I'm not going to really talk about this last one. I just feel like these are uh, some, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that um, Lori Laughlin is uh, has been in the headlines recently, and I think maybe if this movie had just come out a couple of years ago, it could have uh, it could have prevented that from uh, from happening. Will you please leave, guys? Luke and Becky thought maybe I'd find you here. Would you please go away? Poor guy. Do you think that you're the only one who's been hurt? Do you want to know what I'm thinking? You know, what a fool I was not to take Bess' offer. Everything else has been a joke. Yesterday you said you wouldn't have traded it for anything. Well, bullshit! That was yesterday. You know, nothing can compete with money. I'm, I'm glad I learned that now. You got, you got to take what you can get or you're screwed. You know, I was wrong. Just because everything isn't going your way, you want to bail. I thought you were a man. I really wish she said, I thought you were rad. I was really <laughs> expecting it. <laughs> but yeah, see? I definitely wanted way more rad usage in this movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, she should have listened to her own advice. And she went for the jugular with that man comment, man. That really, that was, that was harsh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, well, it's um, an amazing it, movie, and uh, I'm, I'm happy you introduced me to it, and uh, I cannot wait f- until somebody else wins this coffee and gets to share the experience with their family. Actually, they're going to win this coffee. Oh, yeah, that coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, and the last thing I'll say, and we don't have a, we don't have music for it, but I actually like Break the Ice better than I do the other song so you need to listen to that banger this this movie is fun it's uh carefree it's something to pop in and reminisce about some old times and my daughter came down uh as she was getting ready for bed while i was watching this and it had already started 
but we were halfway through and she actually got sucked in and, and watched it till the end with me. And so that was a pretty cool movie, dad, pretty cool <laughs> movie. And these days from a 15 year old, I'll take what I can get. So <laughs> fun for the whole family. Yeah. I, my kids uh, have really been loving their bikes recently. So uh, I'm actually going to watch it with them tomorrow. And, and that way maybe I can get them into some freestyle stuff because uh, Lord knows my oldest daughter has like crazy bruises all over her legs from like flipping her bike now. So maybe she can break something really good when uh, trying to do some <laughs> tail whips or something. Just whatever she does, whatever move she makes, make sure those moves are rad. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys for, uh, for joining us for this episode, um, both uh, streaming live and uh, on YouTube or on, on the podcast app, you can reach me at B E Grantham uh, and you can reach the show at wayback attack I'm sorry. Wayback attack show at gmail.com. Preston, where can people find you? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at squared stiff and you can find the show at wayback underscore attack on uh, Twitter and then we're also on Facebook as well. And that's important to know because that's where we will be uh, sharing the link to our website where you can enter to win the Blu-ray limited edition 4K HD copy of Rad that we're giving away. So look for that on um, Wednesday, uh, June 18th. Sorry, Thursday, June 18th. Uh, for that link and that'll just be for limited time entry for probably about a week and then we'll announce the winner uh the the random winner there so thank you for listening to the show we hope you had a radical time we sure did and we'll see you again next week all right take it easy thank you so much and have a rad day